Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. Welcome to the big, mega, spectacular issue you've all been waiting for! Legion of Superheroes number 300, The Future is Forever! Published June 1983. Written by Keith Giffen and Paul Levitz. Art by Keith Giffen, Kurt Schaffenberger, Howard Bender, Kurt Swan, Dave Cockrum, James Sherman, Joe Stanton, and George Perez. Synopsis. Is the future set in stone, or can the Legion escape their deadly destiny? Matthew, you must uh, grit your teeth every time you pick up this issue of the Legion of Superheroes. Because it clearly says on the cover, the Legion Mm -hmm. of Superheroes, issue number 300. (laughs) And you you are famous for every time that's like... This is the 500th issue of the Hulk. And then you'll go online and go, this is not the 500th issue of the Hulk and I can prove it. Uh, and then they'll be like, this is the 800th appearance of Spider-Man. This is not the 800th appearance of Spider-Man and I can prove it. And so here we have the Legion of Superheroes, mm-hmm. not not 300 issues of the Legion of Superheroes. But 300 issues of this title. Yes. This which is also as Superboy. Again, which is also not the title of this book, right? Uh, right. Yeah, it started as Superboy, then became Superboy right. and the, uh, featuring the Legion and of Superheroes. Then the yeah. Legion of Superheroes went away to like a uh, back backup story uh, for a <laughs> long time. And then uh, people realized that they didn't want Superboy. They wanted Legion. And so then they made the Legion the, the title uh, title name. So right. today this would have already Superboy had got a new book launched. Yeah, I was going to say uh, in this day and age, uh, we would have already had 15 different volumes with number ones on them in this series alone uh, under yes. this and, under this uh, <laughs> titling titling uh, stuff that's going on. Shenanigans, well, I say days. titling shenanigans. 
in the old days, having higher numbers was actually considered yeah. a good thing. It's yeah, a yeah, complete yeah. opposite. But more importantly, part of the reason that they did the renumbering trick was uh, in order in the old days to keep your um, United States Postal Service mailing uh, right. license. So you wouldn't right. have to you wouldn't be launching a new book. You'd just be changing the title. In this case, I'm fine with it because this is 300 issues of a book. That started in 1949, and there are 300 issues of it. Yes. The thing that I get mad about is Captain America when they count the first 80 issues of Tales of Suspense that he's not in. Yeah, but that, that doesn't well, count. Okay, I can see from that. If he was in the first issue of Tales and of like Suspense. Thor first appears in Journey into Mystery 82. They count from Journey into Mystery number one when they recounted Thor to number 600 a few years ago. So they, they're literally padding their numbers with stories that aren't right. So, eh. I'm fine with it. It's a Legion book. It is a Legion book. And I will say mm -hmm. I enjoyed, I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed this issue. Uh, what is your, what is your favorite? What if uh story ever of all time, Matthew? Probably volume one, number nine. What yeah. if the Avengers were formed in the 1950s? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, That's... I've always been a fan. Anytime it's a, what if Spider-Man story, I'm a sucker mm -hmm. for Spider-Man. And yeah. so um, anytime that you get a, what if Spider-Man story is always fun. And I guess, to a greater extent, that's kind of why we have uh, the Spider-Verse and the multiverse over on the Marvel side is kind of that's, what I if mean, these kinds of things happen. Universe. Yeah, I mean, that's how we got the Elseworlds series that DC had. So maybe we could just spend this entire episode just talking about our favorite, our favorite what if uh, stories. I, I feel like. That would irritate people. <laughs> oh, people are already listening. People are already irritated at us uh, on this show. Um, here's the thing. Um, I do enjoy what if stories and I did enjoy this issue very, very much. But mm -hmm. somewhere, someone at, at uh, DC was sitting mm -hmm. around one day and going, oh, I tell you that this uh, what if series over at, at Marvel is doing pretty good. You guys, maybe we should uh, maybe we should take a crack at what if stories. And then someone was like, yes, I hear that that Superboy, I'm sorry, Legion title is hitting a milestone issue. Why don't we try to do these what if stories there? And that is how this issue came to be. Okay. I just want to point something out to you. DC didn't have what ifs because they called them imaginary stories yeah, and they yeah. started doing them before Marvel Comics ever existed. <laughs> but secondarily, honestly, the premise here is one of the better excuses I've ever seen for I'm, tributes hmm. and flashbacks to previous eras because it allows us to see, uh, in some cases, actual artists and the actual workers. But at the very least, you can see, you know, somebody doing a pastiche of John Fort art, someone, yeah, yeah. you know, doing this. J Dave Cockrum and Kurt Swan and James Sherman coming back and being Dave Cockrum and Kurt Swan and, and, you know, James Sherman and that cool chapter that I'm like, I don't know why it's here, but Kurt Schaffenberger is here. I'm like, yes, which, fine, chapter, which chapter is that? The very first chapter, oh, the, the one flashback the to Luthor. Luthor. Yeah, that one's yeah. pretty crazy. I like that one. I just I like this a lot because they do explore, you know, 300 issues of Superboy comics by mm -hmm. going back and looking at different art styles of the time, going in and experimenting with different time periods of the Legion. Uh, and exploring these things, even going down, I, if I'm not mistaken, in the Computo story, where the um, uh, the Legion Lords uh, are are in there. Uh, mm -hmm. And I believe it's the exact same color scheme that they used in the 
in the first appearance of Computo when he killed a, a triplicate girl and created Duo Damsel. It very much looks like it, and it's very well done. And of course, that weirdly uh, is Howard Bender doing yeah. his impersonation of John Ford, who John Ford, I think, passed away in the 70s. But yeah, it's really well done. And there's, you know, that is the one that creeps me out so much because there's a point where Computo kills Duo Damsel mm -hmm. or kills Triplicate Girl, makes her Duo Damsel. We see this, and then all of a sudden, Polar Boy jumps in. Yeah. And I'm like, wait. And then Polar Boy destroys Computo, but he and Colossal Boy die in the process. And I'm right. like, oh, my God. From, from the explosion. Yeah. Right. Literally electrocuted and frozen to death on panel. And I'm just like, this would have never happened in 1962. But that's kind of the point. And I really do appreciate the fact that they did that. Even though these days I'm the person who says, oh, my God, you're doing dark and gritty stuff. Why are you doing dark and gritty stuff? For some reason, this one just hits that sweet spot of, oh, my God, they just killed Polar Boy. You can't kill Polar Boy. Yeah, so maybe we should back up a little bit. So the whole premise okay. of this issue is all the Legion members are gathering together to do a double page spread. And <laughs> they're gathering together for, no, for an anniversary celebration of devil's page spread. That's that's the end result. But in the meantime, <laughs> Brainiac five gets called away because of a mysterious person is having. Yeah, is having some some problems and they need to get this addressed. And so we get uh, Ron Vidar is is in here and mm -hmm. we get um, and Sir Katie Asenius. Yeah, I was going to say Dr. Dr. Cockroach continues to. I, so long you know, syllable. No, I think so. Let me let me put let me let me post, postulate this to you. What Postula if he's not? Okay. What if he's not doing that for certain words? But notice he's doing that at the start of his sentences. So what if mm -hmm. that's just his insect sound that he makes when he's it could not talking? Be, but he says it at the beginning of the word "no," which doesn't have a K sound. No, that's so what I'm saying. Like, is so that's that's as his, you know, and I'm just like no. Yeah, shut that's up. what I'm saying. That's his alien voice that he's trying to. You know, he's trying to get through his alien uh, cockroach cicada voice. And so mm -hmm. he's like, and that's his initial thing of his mouth, you know, scrunching together or doing whatever. And then he oh, talks to, then make, he's talking. to try and make human sounds. That yeah. Or just or just like, you know, like, a, I don't know. Which just, is where pneumothorax. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just think that that's the sound that his he's right. making naturally. And, you know, and then he's he putting his English words. He made a ton of money with that song about Katie and the cornfield. So, I mean, we can't kick him too hard. Yes. You know, uh, so saying. anyway, they connect uh, this mysterious <laughs> patience. <laughs> they connect this, this weird, mysterious patient It's weird how the patient, patient looks like he's made of steel. Like almost. he's made out of iron oh, or something. He's got rivets weird, all over yeah, his weird body. Foreshadowing. It's weird. It's, it's totally weird. And then, uh, then somehow they can connect him to a mind projector. And because Brainiac five is the only one, fast enough to to travel the mind waves he mm -hmm. keeps tuning into all of these visions that this patient mm -hmm. is having mm -hmm. and so we're getting all these alternate timelines in fact brainiac five actually says at one point he's like goodness gracious this cuts out uh and it's this incredible detail of something that is completely imaginary and fabricated and never ever happened that never ever happened yeah and that is really cool because brainiac is very upset. And uh, I want to point this out. Brainiac is on a run of curing people from strange insanity. 
because he cured himself. He cured right. Matter Eater Lad. Right. I mean, he's he's going for the trifecta, the hat trick here with this mysterious patient. Now, so this is the thing, and, and not to we're going to spoil the whole thing here in a moment, but throughout this issue, in the way that I read it, and this has been a couple of weeks ago, almost a month ago that I read this. Yeah, it's um, been a. They almost act like we don't know who this is. They, they are trying to, and you know, it's kind of a slightly less extended and less successful version of the dark oh, yeah, the side. Old, well, oh, I was going to say it was more darkness. I was going to say it feels like they're trying to do more of what they used to do in the early Superboy and Legion days, where it's like. We know who the mysterious figure is. Do you notice, ladies right. and gentlemen? Because he used Shocking his left hand twist. instead of his right hand. Um, yeah. And so I was just, it's just really weird that they act like they don't know who this person is. And again, well, it's, it's for the audience. I don't to, know that they don't it. know who the person is, but yeah, I, the, the, it doesn't quite hold together when they're trying no, when, not to say his name. So obviously yes. when you, when you drill down into this story, and this is my mm-hmm. issue with a lot of, uh, these issues that we've read when you start to dissect the story and you're n- trying to read it for more than just pure entertainment value. A lot of times the stories just open up and don't make a lot of sense or they have a lot of problematic bits in them. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's very uh, troubling at times to go through something like this and say, Oh wait, uh, why are they? This person is clearly dressed as this character. Why? Well, we'll explain it to you in a few more pages. We also get uh, Tales of the Adult Legion of Superheroes. That's another what if. And we right. see some interesting things going on in there. Mostly everybody uh, graduating from boy to man or uh, <laughs> girl to woman. Right. Yeah. And it is nice to see that because in, in a very real way, this book is kind of a mission statement, I think, for Paul Levitz because – for since like 1960, what five 1967 since Adventure Comics 355, we've had this tale of the Adult Legion kind mm-hmm. of hanging over the future, and this is the point where Levitz is going to say, "We love the Adult Legion. That was a cool story, but it's not the actual future of the Legion, and we're going to make that clear here." And I feel like, you know, the build up to this was relatively subtle. That point where all of a sudden, you know, Shadow Lass is like, call me Shadow Woman, and now I'm Caucasian. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. I was talking more right. about the, the but thing. But that, that, that was at the end of last issue. That was right, the big right. 299 thing. And, you know, yeah, we and that get was to supposed the point to, where it's done. Yeah, that was supposed this to be this big thing. Legion, yeah, this is supposed to be this big thing where we know from the previous issue where they're going down the Adult Legion uh, Hall of Heroes and we see Shadow Woman uh, statue. Mm-hmm. And so when she comes out, in the previous issues and say, call me shadow woman. We're like, Oh no, she's going to die soon. And she's at that satellite where all the bad things are going to happen. And then mm-hmm. it kind of is Levitt saying, no, 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 no. That stuff where she's dead in the future. That's all imaginary. That's Just awful. kind of write that they all off. Switch. I think it, I think it works well. I think it's interesting like, in how I, it works. I um, I, I also think that it's kind of like, bit of a painting themselves into a corner because at some mm-hmm. point if someone is like, well, we've got these uh, older Legion members, I'd sure like to kill one of them off, but I can't because that was all an imaginary story. And if I kill off shadow woman now, uh, then everyone's going to say, Oh, Levitz didn't know what he was doing, you know, 20 years ago or something like that. So that's the only, well, I kind of like leaving those kind of things open where it's just like, 
this could happen. And I like it better in this story. So we've yeah. got the we've got the tales of the adult legion and we know that it's imaginary. So we can say that Shadow Woman is not going to die. But then right. we get this whole attack by the coons onto the satellite, which was also something that was starting up uh, last time. And then she goes into battle with uh, Slimer and <laughs> apparently gets destroyed. Right. She gets blowed up real good. And so you're like, <gasps> but then at the end, you're like, oh, no, she didn't die. She's still alive. Ha ha ha. Everything is all well and good. It truly was an imaginary story. Right. And I like that, especially by the standards of 1983, mm -hmm. it's a it's a subtle build. Yeah, yeah it yeah. is a subtle build to the point where, you know, the hardcore fans, the people who know this, I remember reading this book and not understanding what any of it meant, but still being excited at the, oh, what's going on with Shadowlass? What do you mean you didn't understand what any of it meant? I didn't get the Shadowlass stuff because I, I when I started reading. Literally, nineteen eighty three, eighty four is when I started reading. Oh, okay, comics. so you hadn't you hadn't gone. I hadn't read, read any Legion to speak of. Yeah. by the time I read this issue, and so, you know, when you get into this story and you see these alternate realities, they're exciting on their own merits. But mm -hmm. when you actually sit here and and you know you know they've put in these moments where Earth War is going on, but Earth War is going bad. And so the Legion is like, hey, we're going to we're going to give up our vow against killing. Yeah. And then it's Starboy going, oh, man, I can't <laughs> believe the Legion turned out to be a bunch of killers. Yeah. Yeah. It says, he, he says it's uh, I forget what page it's on, but he's like every one of the ideas the Legion of Superheroes stood for has been trampled on these past few weeks. I was worried when the government announced the Legion had volunteered, but the military must have done something awful to brainwash them into boot camp in order to make them so vicious. And they're yeah. just old cranky people at this point. Well, and you also see Colossal Boy and Ultra Boy and Wildfire, yeah, Wildfire and Tyrock just, just killing. Yeah. Flat out killing people. And especially and Tyrock again, dying the, Tyrock dying in the process, too. So, well, I mean, you can't respect Tyrock. <laughs> no, who can't? Why would you do that? Although Thanks, I will Paul say, Levitz. I will say this, uh, uh, you know, when we talk about costumes and weird anatomies and stuff, I will say that they did probably do Tyrock justice uh, in his final appearance uh, in this book, because uh, all the other Legionnaires are pretty either your T-shaped models or your what's the other um, action figure model. You got the T <laughs> figure and then something else. But Tyrock, he's got a big old package uh, where you really don't <laughs> see that on a lot of the other Legion male members. Uh, but yeah. this one, it, it's pretty clear that, uh, so to speak. yeah, Tyrod's <laughs> going out in style. Well, and, you know, it, it's art by Dave Cockrum. Mm -hmm. And Cockrum's art has definitely evolved since he drew this book in 72. Yeah. And I have to admit, if if it had been Cockrum who had created this, you know, Elvis by way of, of Wonderland costume, I think people might have gotten behind it because it looks great. It looks so good. He's in action, you know, Flubity running around and doing all of his thing. But it's also kind of that moment of why do we have to keep crapping on Tyrock? Why do we have to murder Tyrock? Why couldn't we murder Chemical King? Oh, wait, Chemical King's alive <laughs> in this story. Yeah, he is. Oh, just heartless. Heartbreaking, yeah. I'm telling you. Uh, then we also get a really trippy ass uh, Mordrew wow. story. That Speaking I of just art evolution. Yeah, uh, this is, uh, who is this, Keith Giffen? No, who is... This is uh, Jim Sherman. Oh, Jim Sherman, okay. This is some crazy... I mean, this... Wow. So when you look at this, 
this is mm-hmm. stuff that I would expect to find like a Dave Gibbons kind of inspired. Yeah. This stuff feels There's very some, much 2000 AD feels very much Watchmen yeah. as you're reading. It's through got this. some, some Bilson Kevich kind of, mm, uh, mm-hmm. Elaborate, you know, sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say esoteric, but it's like you know, non non representational art. It's going abstract in places, yeah, in a lot of places. Like, it's crazy. There's one weird panel though in this. Which, which so, one? It's the bottom of page it- 37. So uh, in the story, Mordru mm-hmm. is going out trying to, of course, defeat all of the the Legion members. He is taking control oh. of the Earth and all of this stuff. And uh, running off to Corball is Light Last, Lightning Lad, and Saturn Girl. Now, Lightning right. Lad and Saturn Girl are, I, I could say, I guess they're still, yeah, still Lightning they're Lad married. in this case. They're married. Right. But if you yeah. go down, and so then these weird eyeball things come and attack. And on the right. very last panel, Light, Lightning Lad uses himself as a lightning rod, and they blow up all of these things, uh, and he collapses on the ground. And, of course, both of the women rush over to him to support him and say, what a great job. But just the way that uh, his sister is grabbing and holding him is maybe a little bit too, too familiar. I uh, I think that part of the the costume damage is part of it. And the the posing there does feel a little little weird. I got to that and I was like, what's going on here? I mean, like two pages later, we get like an alien swarm creature ripping off Cosmic Boy's face. Yes. And while impaling him through the through the spine yeah and i mean jim sherman's art has very much evolved since he was drawing the legion and this is some this some is a body violent, horror crazy I mean, yeah this is a pretty violent issue at the same time it's also it it's violent and it's over the top but it's also crazy like all these bug creatures that mordrew is sending out to people look like mm-hmm. really weird alice in wonderland creatures that you would find in, in yeah a, in a movie or something they're really freaky and really out there and, you know, visually creative, visually stunning. But again, you know, kind of like that point where, hey, we're going to fight a genie and then we're going to fight mm-hmm. Dwight the Eisenhower. It feels out of place in the 31st century. And then don't the get end, me wrong. It's gorgeous. I, I mean, it's really trippy and weird. And I, again, uh, I want, I mean, these are recolored uh, of the originals. So mm-hmm. I wonder Go and look again, look at Watchmen, go look at um, uh, the Killing Joke where they went in and recolored everything. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's for the better. This one, I kind of really dig the the crazy coloring that they have throughout this one story. Mm-hmm. And I hope that they never go back and recolor it. So at the end of this, the survivors of this world are Shrieking Violet, Brainiac 5, Shadow Lass. Got to stress that she's still alive. Karate mm-hmm. Kid, uh, Light Lass, Night, Lightning Lad, uh, Saturn Girl, uh, Phantom Girl. And mm-hmm. um, Dawn Star, and it looks like she's even got maybe a different costume change that they didn't want to reveal, even though she's kind of all in silhouette. She's got a lot yeah. more angles and stuff going on on her wings, which makes me wonder, did she go through a transformation and they weren't ready to unveil a new costume there yet? Right. That I don't know. Or it may have just been like, hey, I'm going to do some weird stuff. Yeah. Because when Mordru dies or explodes or whatever, Honestly, I don't know it's what happens to Mordru. It's just like, it's like he gets sucked into an alternate dimension or something. Yeah. He, but, you know, seeing what, seven people, nine Legionnaires survive out of mm-hmm. 25, 26, mm-hmm. you can definitely see why the patient was unhappy at this particular quote unquote dream. Yeah. 
And then the final <laughs> one is a block being drawn in by the dark man. Dark having all of existence blown up just pretty much like all what if stories uh, that Marvel ever did. The universe dies. Everyone dies screaming. Yeah, I will say this. It's good to see um, Block's creator, Joe Statton, back drawing his creation. Yeah. But my God, the team of Joe Statton and Dick Giordano is so weird. Yeah, it is so weird. There's a right on page 44. There's a picture at the top. Uh-huh. Uh, Brainiac five right. and Mattery, Mattery lad, lad. Yeah. both incurably mad. They say, Oh man, yeah, they he's are got some, fighting. He's got some funky hair. And then just a few panels down with, um, uh, Phantom girl, her hair is yeah. also very puffy and, and, and crazy. And then if you they go on to the next page in all of the close ups and all of the shots of block, he's back to mm-hmm. his old, uh, rock collar and down mm-hmm. to his speedos again, which again, <laughs> It's an imaginary story, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he'll be back well, to his ugly costume in the next issue. Actually, by it the is end of this alternate issue. reality. Thank you very yes, much. Yes, and that costume is in no way ugly. But more importantly, the alternate reality of Joe Statton's kind of cartoony style in Dick Giordano's, uh-huh. you know, pulp-inspired realism. Yeah. Oh man, that's like you and I hosting podcasts together for ten years. It's I know just it's like, awesome. Just constantly going to be fighting back and forth. No, there's no fighting. What are you talking about? What? No. It's Do a, you it's remember? Great, it is a great. Uh, this is a great. Wait. This is. You know a who great, I am, uh, right, Stephen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know okay. what you're talking about, man. Okay. Uh, so there okay. is one part of this uh, modern day story because that I think is the last what if story in the in the series. There's one more actually. Oh, what's the one after after that? Because I thought, oh yeah, yeah, this is the one where they finally the last dream where yeah where he finds a reality where Pharaoh Lad dies right, but Pharaoh Lad's identical twin brother Douglas Nolan Douglas, with the same yeah. powers takes his yeah. place, and we find out that the patient is in fact Douglas Nolan. So they manage to give closure to a little bit of closure to the late lamented pharaoh lad which i think so is really sweet this is the part and i know that we've seen douglas um mm-hmm. before i forget what issue it is but i guess my question is why is he dressed exactly like pharaoh lad Did, was he trying to run around and be pharaoh lad too and the legion rejected him i forgot what happened to that incarnation of pharaoh lad i don't recall that happening um okay, but I, you may I'm, remember I'm very confused why he's wearing the exact same costume. Now, I do know that they both suffer from the same uh, genetic thing that gives them their powers, and that's why his face is also horribly scarred. Right. His This is actually the first, I think, that we've seen anything extensive under the mask of either of the Nolan brothers. And green scaly skin and like a missing nose and fangs and teeth, just like, Bleh. but to my knowledge, Douglas first appeared in the adult legion story i don't know that we've seen douglas in the regular reality i only remember douglas being in the alternate future reality of the adult legion where douglas popped up and was like hey i've got the same powers as my twin brother bye now i can't remember if he had anything to do with uh the ghost of pharaoh lad i don't think he did but that does bring up another question once Mm -hmm. they give him his imaginary happy ending that he wants Right. He just vanishes. He transubstantiates into that other universe. Okay. So he just, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a. He takes the place of the other Douglas Nolan. Yeah. They don't really. They don't really explain that clearly in here, I don't think. 
Uh, but I think that's the I think that's the weirdest part about this is that first of all he's wearing his dead brother's costume, and number two that once he gets his dream vision that he wants he just disappears. So realistically, Brainiac Five didn't cure the patient as much as just send him away for someone else to deal with. Well, he found the patient a place where he could be cured. Yeah, here's here's my theorem. Um, okay, go for it. Aside, aside from I'm postulating aside from the chest emblem. Uh, which is, you know, the letter F-E for iron. Um, Right. I feel that the costume is probably some, the base of that costume, that white shell, is probably some sort of protective uniform created for Andrew and Douglas to both cover their, you know, their face so that they don't, you know, frighten the children, but also (laughs) to aid them. Because if you look at it, it looks like it has rivets. I'm wondering if the costume itself is designed to aid them with their transformation or to, you know, protect them, even their iron form so that they have a little bit of extra padding. Mm -hmm. And clearly Douglas added the FE as a tribute to his dead brother, Andrew. I, um, and I know that, that may be, that may be a, that may be but, a bigger issue that this is a comic book is not willing to to touch on. But maybe he's a, a crazy fanboy. Maybe he he saw that his brother died, and he's like, "Oh my god, I have to wear my brother's costume." Yes, for that the rest could of be my his life. coping mechanism. Um, yep. And then I'll just replace him in an alternate. And he reality lives in, in a and he lives in a fantasy dream world where all of these other adventures are taking place. That it's is not also, a fantasy. It's an alternate reality. Yes, that he's imagining. It's actually Earth eight three two five one two nine. Little known fact, everyone. Uh, Andrew and Douglas Nolan's uh, father's name is Andrew Douglas Nolan. And do you know why they named the sons Andrew and Douglas? Uh, I don't know. Don't really because care. they're incredibly boring and in <laughs> yes, no way creative. Hi. <laughs> okay, so there is one other. It would be like if you named your son Stephen and Godzilla. Yeah, I would never do that. That'd be really I weird. I would name I them after, I would name my kids after superheroes. That's what or I would people name that, my kids You know, after. people that you admire, so these could be your sons, Matthew and Michael, you know. Mm, no, I would rather name them after superheroes. There is one weird you know, and super awkward, awkward part, part about this book. What's that? And that is something that we didn't bring up the last time when Shadow Woman made her appearance. Is that... Uh, Shadow, oh. woman, Shadow Woman ain't white. No, she's not. And, and uh, she shows up, of course, with her cropped uh, cropped hair. And you think it's a it's a cowl. I think it's cropped hair. I th- I think it. Well, I think she. If you it. look, I think she went. Uh, the... I think she went all uh, uh, Grace Jones. Isn't Grace Jones a big thing right about now? Possibly. I feel like it's a skull cap because it lacks the baby hairs across the front that would make me think that it's her actual hair. Like mm-hmm. if she if she glued it down really high, but yeah. again, this is a comic of the 1980s, and they may not have been able to draw something like that. I don't know, but, uh, um, but uh, yeah. I think it's a skull cap. Okay, so regardless of the skull cap, sh- sh- Shadow Shadow Woman is 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 not white. She she's blue. She's blue. We yes. actually had a whole thing about this where we talk about when the character was mm-hmm. first introduced. They wanted to introduce her as the first black uh, character. And DC was like, oh, no, if we do that, our sales in the South will plummet. However, will we cope? You cannot have a black person in a comic book. Uh, and so they made her blue. And then there was that one issue where they went to hide from Mordrew into the past of Superboy's past. And yep. in order for her to, quote unquote, pass, uh, she put on white makeup so that she could l- run around with the living. So she uh, could she could hang around in the 60s without, 
You know? Yeah, without people freaking out and screaming racism and all that other stuff. Well, uh, also, she's blue. She's powder yeah. blue. I mean, I don't uh, think it's racism if a human shows up who's not a normal color. I mean, I mean, she yes, wasn't, it is she's racism. an allegory for, for black. But anyway, but here's where things get really bad in this issue. Uh, she is she's she's wearing she's painted she's herself white. Pink. She's painted herself white or pink. But uh, Monel specifically calls out. If you think white makeup and calling yourself Shadow Woman will make you more attractive to me, you deserve to be as dizzy as you sound. Yeah, that's, first of all, Mon, buddy, friend, pal, I know that it's 1983 and you're from a thousand years in the past. That makeup is not white. It's kind of a pale, yeah, It's kind of a pale color, color, but still. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. know. I just, I have a real problem with. This. It is that is a line that called out to me to as oh my god they didn't have yeah. they didn't really uh, they didn't have any inkling any context for how offensive that really is I'm, you know? I'm curious so when we first brought up Tyrock we had one of our um, uh, black listeners write in and talk about how Tyrock was you know somebody to look up to and it it showed you know themselves in comics I wonder for our listeners uh, who are black if if Shadow Woman or Shadow Lass also featured that same kind of connection to you, that somebody, I mean, she doesn't have black right. skin, but she's standing in for someone who is black. Right. I wonder if there's that same connection there. And then I'm also very curious to find out what your thoughts are on her, you know, basically putting makeup all over her body so that she's not blue. And, yeah. and if this was something that was intentionally done so that they wouldn't have to go and find a particular shade of blue for every time they, they ran her in one of the comics. But it just seems like literal it, whitewashing and also I, race race changing. This is the last time we see it, and it is specifically so that they can make the reference to the Shadow Woman Shadow from Woman. Adventure okay. Three Fifty Five, who had pink Caucasian skin in the future. But I also feel like it is one of those moments where, first of all, uh, Jim Shooter's. Uh, you know, admission and or memory that he wanted her to be a person of color and was forced to make her powder blue to get that past, you know, the editorial. Mm -hmm. That was not common knowledge, at least to my knowledge in the 80s. I don't oh, remember probably, that. No, probably, out. probably not. I would imagine that that would be something that was not unveiled until mid 90s. And, you know, Shooter is also responsible for wanting uh, Pharaoh Lad to be mm -hmm, a, to a be person of color, person he wanted color, yeah. to be black mm -hmm. under the mm -hmm. under the armor. So, yep. I feel like, in some ways, if people are reading that, if people you know at any point in the past were reading that into the characters, that was definitely something that the stories weren't helping with. I don't feel yes. like there's a lot of textualness for that. But that's why that's why I was wondering if some of our our readers, yeah, were able to Anybody identify listening? with Shadow Lass uh, in that. I way. mean. It's an, it's an interesting question. And, you know, you do get to the point where Don Star is overtly meant to be Native American mm -hmm. and Karate Kid is sometimes Asian, meant yeah. to be, yeah, Asian or, you know, partly his, yeah, biracial, he's, honestly, he's biracial, because I believe yes, his uh, mother was Caucasian. Yes. But, you know, you get to a point where even that Karate Kid is, you know, half Asian, that's a retcon because that comes around 10 years after he mm -hmm. first shows up. So. Mm -hmm. And then it's not even drawn in a way that is consistent. You know, he went from looking like Bruce Lee in 1972 to just looking like another square jawed 
Caucasian dude in 77 in his own book. So. Yeah. And we've talked about that a little bit too, in that I wonder if it wasn't just uh economy of drawing everybody similar to one another, just give them a different costume and different hair hairline. Well, I also feel like, yeah, especially pre about 1985, about the time of the crisis on infinite earth, actually uh, a lot of these things where they were little, you know, moments of continuity were kind of personal tinges. So you'd see characters where somebody would say, this guy, I'm going to draw him. Like Cockrum always drew him as vaguely Asian. Grell mm-hmm. drew him as Asian. And then the next guy came on and went, nope. So I kind of wonder if it was just not a priority in the the days I mean, of let's get 12 issues out and get these books selling honestly, so that the eight-year-olds wasn't. are hooked. It, it probably yeah. wasn't. So anyway. Uh, and for some reason... This is the weirdest thing in this issue. Wildfire, who used to be, you remember, in his origin, it was clearly stated that his energies are invisible. Right. That's how we didn't know that he died. He didn't die when he daffy ducked himself. Right. He just was energy. They dyed him to be visible. They painted him red so you could see his energy floating around behind invisible kid cuz he's apparently mad at invisible kid yeah and i'm like that's not offensive or anything that's just the weirdest thing ever yeah, so that way you know he's on panel they had to have some way of showing him there so that people knew he was i know there. but it's so weird it is, it is it's so this whole, this whole issue this whole issue is weird I, I, i'll be honest with you the whole issue is weird it's great weird i love this issue i read it and i was like <laughs> man i'm gonna read it again and then i said after i read it again i set it aside for a month and then i uh then we sat down to record the show um so yeah this is a fun issue but it is weird and i think it's intentionally weird i, I so I want to say I think that it it was all of this was done intentionally to say remember how weird things used to be in the in the mm-hmm. silver age and the early golden age of stuff let's mm-hmm. do that again let's just tell some wacky weird stories that harken back to the legion's first appearances in uh superboy and let's just go nuts with this and let's bring back all these people who worked on it and the only thing we're going to tell them is make sure it's weird I kind of wish that that was the case, but I have a feeling it really wasn't. I think it's like, hey, man, we got to do this uh, thing for the 300th issue. Can you do like six pages quick, like tomorrow? And people are just like, man, I guess. These guys are not, can you show up quick, guys? This this is the important thing. If you look at the cover has like 30 different characters by 30 different art teams. Mm-hmm. This took tons of setup because every single character on the cover is drawn and inked by a different artist. And yeah. many of them are like classic Legion artists. Some of them are just the awesome guys at DC because there's a Carmine Infantino drawing out mm-hmm. there. And there's like a, an Ernie Cologne drawing. And I'm like, why are these guys covering Legion? Doesn't matter. It's a cover, you know, with 32 characters and 65 artists. And I'm pretty and I'm sure just... that these were all, you know, obviously these were all comped together later on because I'm pretty sure some of these, especially the Bouncing Boy one, and I want to say maybe the Phantom Girl one, mm-hmm. were used in their who's who, in their full poses. Uh, no. No? The Phantom Girl I... one looks very simil- familiar. Uh, in who's who, Phantom Girl was drawn by Jaime Hernandez. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Whereas yeah. this yeah. Phantom Girl is actually drawn. I'm trying to look at it now. Who is that? That's probably Cockrum. Yeah, definitely Cockrum. 
But yeah, the, if you look at the bouncing boy, the ant bouncing boy there is actually drawn by Joe Statton, mm -hmm. which is weird because Block is not. But yeah, the Joe George Tuska and Gil Kane and guys who have literally Don Heck, guys who have not been part of this Legion lore, are like, I'm going to put something on the cover yeah. too. It's well, fine. On the it's on the thing. flip side of that, we get to the reason why they're all here is for this big double page spread at the end of the issue. And so in the front, we get, all, we get all of the Legion members uh, right. there, which is cool, including Duo Damsel in her Duo Damsel uh, costume yep. redesign. Her, we also get RJ, and orange suit. We also get RJ Brand in the front in the front row, and oh, then sure, you know, he's we the get original. The, yeah, we get the founders up there as well, everybody, and then we go all the way to the back. And uh, if you look in there, Batman makes an appearance in here. We Spider Man. Get, <laughs> I don't think Spider Man's in here. Spider Man is literally right behind Sun Boy under the flag. Look, you can see his chest. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. Lenny yeah, and Squiggy crazy. are there. Oh, with Garfield. The Garfield is in there as well. Great. Dr. Jim is Man? back there. Is that Miracle Garfield. Man? <laughs> Where? Uh, standing right next to Garfield. Uh, no, that's uh, Evolvo Lad. Oh, of Evolvo. the Heroes of Lalor. Okay. All right. Yeah, and if you go across, a Matter Eater lad is in the back, and the, yeah. the Wanderers are there. The Substitute Heroes, the Heroes yeah. of Lalor. Yeah, Elastic who's the, who's Lad. The guy, who's the guy with the bow tie and glasses next to Miracle Man? <laughs> the bow tie and glasses next to Miracle Man. Yeah. Uh, that's Herbie Popnecker. Herbie the Fat Fury. No, I don't think uh, right. <laughs> uh, well, the, he's right there. I don't know who that is. Oh, is that the... The Legion's biggest fan, the guy with the glasses. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. And then you scroll but down. He's right, but yeah, he's right next to Siobhan Aaron. You go oh. down to the other side where Matter Eater Lad is sitting there talking with, um, I don't know who that That's, is. It's like that Hawk is Man. Ornitho of the Wanderers. Oh, okay. Keep, keep going down. Who's the guy with the yellow uh, symbol on his, uh, the yellow necklace and the that beard is and the ball? Celebrand. Celebrand of the Wanderers. So it goes Matter Eater Lad, uh -huh. Ornitho. Uh -huh. um, Quantum Queen there, possibly Psyche in between. Uh, the guy with the beard is uh, Paul Levitz. Uh, the guy oh, yeah, with the right. goggles is, I think, Immorto? No. Um, he's Dartelg. Okay. Uh, the, the guy with the little mustache. Actually, yeah. that's Paul Levitz. The other guy maybe is Keith Giffen. That's who that is. And then and the, the, uh, the, the girl with the W with is Quantum Queen. Yeah. Uh, because W stands for quantum. And right. then Rond Vidar and, of course, Celebrand. Oh, no, no. You're missing Light somebody Lab. else. You're missing the guy in the green shirt between Quantum Lab. Oh, that's uh, Cockrum. Oh, Cockrum. Okay. And then yep. Ron, uh, and Ron Vidar. And then who's Ron the girl? Vidar, Light Lass. Oh, why is she not in the front row? She should be up in the front uh, row. She's not an active legionnaire. She and oh, Matter Eater right. Lab they quit. are no longer. Too. Yep. And then um, the guy there, Prince I can't Valiant. remember his name. Prince Valiant. That's not Prince Valiant. He's another Jimmy. one of the Wanderers. Then there's a Jimmy uh, Olsen. Elastic Lad, yeah. DevM, the knave from Krypton. Mm -hmm. Circadia Senius. And yes. then leaning over there is... Um, the yellow is Invisible Kid. That's in Immorto. Invisible oh, right. Kid is dead at this point. And I figured he'd make a, like an appearance. Who's the who's the gray guy underneath uh, Colossal Boy's armpit? The gray guy? I can't see him. Yeah, so like, you they, know, Spider-Man's on, on the one side. On the other side, it's like a face like in there. Looks like Brute from the Omega Men. But yeah, it really does. Maybe it's... Um, a Mad Thinker's awesome android? Maybe it's somebody's future child. <laughs> you think? I mean, it wouldn't... Validus. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be weird for Validus to show up in there? It would, because at this point, Validus isn't yet their child. Well, I mean, uh, 
I'm sorry. They've just been spending two issues in the waiting room at the doctor's office. I'm pretty Valida. sure he's their child. Valida. Also the Validus. Uh, oh yeah. man. I feel real for- bad. I feel really bad for what's about to happen to, uh, <laughs> to uh, Saturn girl and, and lightning lad. I feel really, really yeah. bad about what happens and how Validus comes to be. I really do feel bad. Uh, yeah. Separated at birth, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I'm going to say. Okay. Let's go flip over to the other side next okay. to, um, okay. we got Spider-Man. We got, mm-hmm. uh, the white witch Garfield miracle that's, man. That's life. Uh, or excuse me, gas girl. Okay. Gas girl. The heroes of Landlord Garfield. Okay. Yeah. Not miracle man. Yeah. He looks not like miracle, miracle man. man though. It's not miracle man. It's yeah, Evolvo lad. It would be so funny. If it was um, miracle man. I don't know who that, that might be Larry Malstead. Could who inked be, this, could it be, this strip? Could it be Otto Bender? No, it could be. It's probably not Otto Bender. No. Then Siobhan Aaron. Yeah. There's Life Last. Life Last has the decolletage. Then yeah. Duplicate Boy, Doctor Jimmel in the front. Yeah. Color Kid, Stone Boy, Kid Psycho. You remember yeah, him, the original yeah. Legionnaire. Yeah. Uh, Fire Lad. Yeah. Uh, that's Andrew Squigman. Squiggy. Is it? Is that um, who that is? Lenny yeah, because next to him another? is Lenny. Okay, I didn't know that's those Lenny, were supposed Lenny to be. and Squiggy, uh, Chlorophyll Kid, Night Girl, Porcupine Pete, Polar Boy, Batman, and Infectious Lass. Infectious Lass, yeah. Batman's just hanging out there. I know because know. I mean he's been in a couple of recent adventures with Batman. Everything is better. That's maybe why I like this issue so much. Um, so according to the comics database, yeah, this includes Larry Malstead, uh-huh. Giffen, uh huh. Paul Levitz, uh-huh. Karen Berger, oh, uh, who is Let's the editor. At. Wonder where she's at. Uh, editor Karen Berger. Let's see if we go across the page. There's a woman right between Ornitho and uh, Psyche that I couldn't recognize. So oh, on the okay. very right, yeah, in the that's yellow. probably Karen. Okay. Cool. Yep. In that little. And then the guy with the beard is Giffen. The yeah. guy with the weenie mustache is uh, Levitz. Yeah. And the guy uh, with the beard and glasses is apparently Malstead. Okay, cool. So who's the so guy on the other side? Know. Who's the I guy still on the other want side? to know. I Herbie Popnecker. <laughs> I, I bet it's definitely uh, Herbie Popnecker. So Garfield, Miracle Man. <laughs> That's weird. I don't know who it that is. It doesn't list him. It doesn't list him. The indexer notes says the last two pages are a double page spread. It doesn't uh, index them, but it says oh, okay. the Legion supporting characters. Uh, active reserve honorary uh, substitute Spider-Man, Garfield, Batman, Lenny and Squiggy, Paul Levitz, Keith Giffen, Larry Malstead, and editor Karen Berger. Huh. So who is that? Who guy? is that? Who is that mysterious person? I know one of our our favorite guy? listeners are going to reach out to us. What if he's a tornado twin? He could I be a tornado twin. No, he's a heavy set guy to be a tornado twin. He's definitely oh. got to be one of the creator. Uh, not like one of the creator creators. But I mean, he is somebody who's definitely somebody who worked on this series before. So, yeah, I guess I didn't see the Spider-Man and the Garfield stuff. Spider-Man was the first thing I ever saw that. Oh, really? I guess, the you know, when I look at this page, obviously, it's really cool because you've got the founding members on top and then you kind of go down from that. You get to see everybody. And then finally, your eye drifts to the back and, you know, you look over at Infectious Last and you're like, is that Batman back there? That's cool. And then I guess I really don't pay attention to a lot of those other ones like you really have to have good eyesight uh, in today's day and age to be able to see the Spider-Man and the, uh, the Garfield stuff in there. Okay. According to this, what is this? one of the guys is this issues letterer, Carl Gafford. Oh, okay. Good for you, Carl Gafford. So yeah, Carl Gafford. <laughs> I mean, so like, yeah, they, 
of the everybody they could have put in there. Let's put Carl Gafford in there. Not Otto Bender. Well, not uh, they got the creative not team John for this issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah, that's I cool. mean, that's that's something that you get. I mean, you made the issue. You're especially if you're Karen Berger and you assembled all these old dudes. I mean, you got Kurt Swan to step in. Karen Berger you got has been around it. forever, and I'm glad that you know, even though DC canceled all of her Vertigo stuff and told her to take a hike. Uh, I'm glad that she's doing stuff over. I think it's still over at IDW or image uh, where she's got her burger books. Uh, you can go find that stuff. So she's doing uh, stuff over there as well. So good on her. I think they're, they're at dark horse, the burger book. Oh yeah. Dark horse. That's right. Uh, Paul Levitz is um, just had a birthday recently. So happy birthday to him. Um, these other guys, I guess they never really went and did anything after. I believe after this, I think this is their last. Larry, Larry Malstead recently just passed kidding. away. If I'm crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not crazy. Okay. And then uh, Carl Gafford, I believe, has also passed away. But yeah. yeah, Giffen is still out there giffing it up. Yep. I love the fact that, you know, in this issue, you're like looking at like a 25 year old Giffen being like, hi, I'm Giffen. <laughs> and now he's like one of the architects of the DC universe. I'm just yep. like, yeah. yeah. It's all cool. It's all cool. I really enjoyed this book. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, it, it, if you are someone we who are- likes what if stories, this has it in there. If you're wanting to see alternate stories of the Legion of superheroes, this is in here. Uh, you're at I, a turning point for the Legion here too. Are they going to go any even darker? Because the last no, couple of issues have been really are going to happen. No, this and, issue and does. What happens, however, to, what happens to Validus? That's dark, man. That's like really, that, really dark. It does get dark. I mean, there's some dark stuff, but there's also interesting stuff. Like Supergirl reappears in this issue for the yeah. first time in 15 years. Wearing her We're going to see more Supergirl. In upcoming issues. Yeah, and I'm she's really not surprised. Go that, like, active duty, but she's going to be showing up. And I think it's wonderful that Supergirl is getting some time. And I'm really time. surprised that there's not a bigger interaction between her and um, Brainiac 5 in this issue. I was kind of hoping a little bit more of that. It's coming. It's coming. We'll have to wait. But uh, until yeah. then, uh, it's not going to happen now. But thank you, everybody, for checking us out this week. Two thumbs up, I think, uh, from me. I don't know about Matthew. I don't know if he's four got thumbs, thumbs up or not. Matthew. So there you go. He's got four thumbs. There you go. Why? Uh, that's an imaginary story for another time. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, remember, I am a podcast man. And I'm Carl Gafford. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Stephen Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Stephen Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Stephen at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.